If you're at all familiar with the ocean, you'll know that while most swells on any given day will be roughly the same size, every once in a while that pattern gets upset when, out of nowhere, a wave twice the size of the others, or even greater, suddenly appears. They're called rogue waves, and while they don't happen very often and they can't be predicted, they cannot be ignored. Our guest this month, he helped write the musical equivalent of a rogue wave last year. I'm Tom Maley, and this is Write You a Song. Josh Jenkins is a relative newcomer to mainstream country, but he isn't new to music since they first formed around 2003 in Fort Worth, Texas. Josh and his band, Green River Ordinance, have carved out a critically acclaimed spot for themselves in pop rock and Americana, even touring with big rock acts like Collective Soul, Train, and the Goo Goo Dolls. In 2016, they were among some of the first artists to release an album that was fully funded by very loyal fans via Kickstarter. So yeah, this guy knows music. But while Josh and his bandmates still get together to perform... He's taken his passion for songcraft and settled into the Nashville songwriting community, where just this last year, in 2021, he finally scored his first two hit singles. One reached the top spot the last week of January 2022 for Jordan Davis and Luke Bryan, and the other was that musical Rogue Wave we were talking about earlier. Josh, thanks for coming on Write You a Song. Well, thank you very much. It's been, uh, it's been a, wild, a wild ride this year. So we were talking before this got started, and you've actually been in Nashville for 10 years. You've got a band on the side that we'll, that we'll talk about, and I don't even know if on the side is the right way to put it, because it, it's still very much a part of your life, right? It is. You know, I had, I, I've been in a band for about 16 years, and we still play shows, not as much as we used to. When we were younger, we toured nonstop, and, and then over the years had kids and slowed down a little bit. So we play here and there, and but, not, you know, not as busy as we used to be. Yeah, and the band is Green River Ordinance, and we'll we'll talk a little bit about that uh, in a bit. But was it the fact that you guys were all kind of getting a little older and, and, and having families that sort of led you to go to Nashville to become a songwriter or to pursue a, a career as an artist? What What led you to Nashville specifically? Well, I was born and raised in Texas with the guys. I met them when I was 15, and then we dropped out of college together toured independently. And so in that time as young, you know, early twenties, we, I was always writing, you know, I loved writing. And when we would come back home to Fort Worth, there wasn't just, there wasn't a big community of folks doing that. And so over time I had friends in Nashville be like, you should move to Nashville. You should, it's such a great creative community, you know? And so I was, I met my wife and we were married for a year and then I moved, we moved up here. Um, Partly just been like, I wanted to be in the creative community when we weren't on the road playing, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, and also for your, for, for wives, it's a great community of support when husbands are gone on the road and stuff. So we made the move and have loved it ever since. And when you're with your band, do you write together as a band or do you primarily do all of the writing or do you just share the duty? It depends on the song. Um, for us, it's always kind of worked, uh, we have songs we've collaborated on all together. We have had songs where I've written the song and brought it to the guys. So it, it kind of works uh, both ways. And the reason I ask is because Nashville is such, a, the, the songwriting community is so collaborative. Uh, I'm just wondering what, what the difference uh, was for you uh, when you first stepped in and, and you were working with other people um, on this creative process, where in the past maybe your experience was more, you were kind of doing it on your own. Yeah, um, that is a great question. I feel like that is such a learned part of this 
town and this experience is, you know, the collaborative element and working with people, finding people that you mesh with while also not losing your individual thing, you know, because sometimes you come here and you can easily lose that. What makes maybe your perspective unique or maybe, so it's always a balance of learning how to collaborate, learning how to kind of be in the room with multiple people to collaborate and come up with something that you all feel good about, but also not losing your voice, um, which is a challenge for everyone. Uh, even if you've been here for 10 years, it's always a challenge, but you kind of learn a little bit of that uh, dynamic as you go. Are there concessions artistically or creatively that you've got to make? Um, well, I think at its best, at its best, you have to be honest. You have to trust your co-writer. If you don't have honesty and you can't trust who you're collaborating with, then I feel like you could get off kilter in the right. Not that you can't come up with something great, but you can just feel this kind of thing in the room. Maybe that's not fully surrendered to the song and the potential of the song. So that's where you kind of over time find your people that you trust, that you can be honest with. Because, you know, the reality of it is, is not everything you say is going to be great. And so you have to have trust with each other to go, I don't know about that. Or what about this? Or, or hey, let's ditch this idea. This idea is not that great. Let's, let's dig around for more. You know what I mean? And so um, all of that kind of is just built over time and finding people that you can have that with. And someday you walk in the room with somebody on the first time you ride and you catch something magic and there's this thing. And then some days you've written with people all the time and you're just digging in the mud trying to find the thing that feels special, you know? And so you need that trust and honesty to, to that honesty to, to let that, the song kind of be the objective, not just being like, let's write whatever we want or say whatever we want. Let's like, let's really put this thing through the ring and make sure it's right. Right. Uh, you have a quote from uh, back in your early days, I think, with uh, with your band, where you said, the purpose can't be to sell a bunch of records. It has to be about something more. That's a real kind of bold, artsy stand. Do you still feel that way? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I feel more that way now than ever, which is funny to hear that quote now. I think in, this is what my perspective, when I said that probably like forever ago, I, I, I said that. I think the thing that I've always I'm kind of being reminded of even as we have success is if the objective is to make money or sell records, the song immediately suffers. Um, what I mean by that is you start making decisions out of fear and like, well, and you, you take the lowest common denominator to get there. And the songs that you and I love, the songs we grew up on, the records we grew up on as kids that drive us to music that got us that wanted to pick up a guitar and you wanted to be at a radio station were songs that were not made out of fear. They were made out of bravery and courage. So I, I'm not against commerce and songs, but I think when you think about the purity of the place you create from, it, there's plenty of people that do it for the money, but I think you see you know, that come out in songs and the longevity of songs and the impact of songs. And then there's people that I know that I love that can tap into the heart and they make the objective about well, I have this idea, you know what I mean? Like one of my boss who's in the building here, two of my bosses are like some of the greatest songwriters we've ever, they wrote Mary Around for Casey Musgrave. They've written like some of the best songs ever in this town. You're talking about Shane Akinelli and, and... Josh Osborne, yeah. literally in the other room writing. I can hear them now, <laughs> you know, who are und un undoubtedly like Hall of Fame writers. And I love, I admire them because they will approach a song as craftsmen to go, this idea, what's the heartbeat of this idea? They're not going... How do we sell? How do we make a bunch of money? You know what I mean? Like they're 
they're digging into the heart of it. And I think when you hear a song that comes out that has that, the listener immediately goes, you can tell it's like also like a good film. You can tell when something's trying to be slick and check all the boxes. And then you can tell, like, go watch Ted Lasso and you see the heart behind something and people want to weep and they want to laugh. And they, it's like, that is what music has the potential to be. But if it's all about numbers and that is your beginning point, then you immediately start to pollute that process. So, and I feel like in our town, you know, you're dealing with commerce, you're dealing with all of that. And that is the, the great challenge is to allow yourself to preserve the place of songs and let them be what they are and let, let the heartbeat drive the song. Um, and then I, I truly believe that those songs will connect with people better than a song that's just like, let's make a bunch of money, you know? Isn't it funny that I think as a listener, as a, as a fan of, of music, um, and I'm not just talking about myself, I think anybody that's, that's into music, you can tell that authenticity that you're talking about, even if you can't articulate it, if you can't put your finger on why that song seems a little better than the one that just played before. There's something about it. And I think Ted Lasso is a great example. You talk about sort of bravery. It would be really easy for the creators of that show to, you know, go for cheap laughs and, and slapstick and stuff like that. And there is slapstick uh, in there, but at the same time, it's got so much heart. It really, it it took guts to make that show and it's brilliant and it's brilliantly funny. Um, but uh, you know, that's a show that wouldn't have been made by network television, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I, I often think about things like not, you know, and that's why I reference Ted. I often think about anything in our world. It's like, if you're selling anything, if you're making something for people to engage it, be it, if you're a, you own the steak restaurant, like you want to have people come to your restaurant, but it's like, people can tell if you're, if you're taking the cheap road to try to sell a million steaks. Or you create a place that has soul, that has heart, that has like intentionality in the way that the food is prepared and the presentation and the, and it's like you think about everything in our in our some you know in our world and there's there's a place for that there's a place for those kind of you know fast food or whatever but I think across the board the thing that our responsibility as creators is to make sure we we preserve the heartbeat and the soul because that's what music at its purest is. Um, you know, and, and then we live in the crosshairs of that. Like we suffer, we suffer in this town because we do, you know, a lot of people are afraid and myself included at times you create some fear and you can tell. So it's always that constant battle to get back to the pure place of what makes the hairs on your arm stand up? What makes you want to cry? What makes you want to laugh? What makes you want to go spend time with your friends or what make you know, like what thing, what things draw you into the heart of life? whether it be joyful or sadness, and you kind of have to block off that area and create from that place. And let, I was going to save it for later in the, uh, in the interview, but let's, let's talk about your gigantic worldwide smash right now then, because I think that a lot of what you're talking about applies to it, even though on the face of it, it might not. And of course it's Walker Hayes fancy like, which you helped co-write. And I want to get into the kind of the details of, of how that song came about, but that song is, unlike anything on country radio. And there were a lot of stations, ours included, to be honest, that were trepidatious about playing it. Um, but yep. at the same time, there is such a sweet message, sweet sort of every man, every woman, every family message in that song that only works in country. I don't think any other genre does it play. Anything else, it might sound kind of corny or contrived. In country, it's authentic. 
And 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 at the heart of any good country song, whether it's Waylon Jennings or Fancy Like, uh, it's authenticity. And that's that song has that. Am I reading that correctly? Yeah, I mean, you know, and I'll give you the backstory on all of this because I think it's important. You know, because I think on the face value of it, there's a lot of things that that song has like a lot of areas that song has stepped into. You know, but as from the conception of it. At no point did we know what we were writing or have any sort of intention beyond, you know, like right. we I've known Walker for seven, eight years and Walker is one of the most authentic people I've ever known. And we've lived a lot of life together. We've seen some highs and lows together as friends and that right. We were in there. We were talking about life and, and our just all of the stuff going on in our world. And, um, he started talking about like, man, you know, it's interesting as an artist, people think you're like, you, you're like eating at the nicest restaurants and da da da. And he's just basically like, we're just, he, you know, he's got six kids. He's like, we're just kind of simple people. Like we go to Waffle House for our birthday. Like we, we like, we go to Apple. So he kind of just started riffing on this reality. And then we kind of, he was like, I want to write something fun. And we, so that's kind of started playing the guitar and we kind of mumbled melodies and that's how fancy like came out. But at its core, it's about the simple thing, This what you had said, like this simple man, this everyday person, this like, hey, there's a lot of that fabric of life where it's not about the nicest things. You know, it's about the simplicity of, of, of this family dynamic or your, the, your relationship with your wife and that, that kind of reality packaged up in a fun way. You know, so when we wrote that song, you know, Walker is so unique in how he says things and, and so we wrote it and I was like, this is uniquely Walker. And I don't know what, I don't know where this song goes, but I know that I, I love it. And we never planned for TikTok. We never planned for Applebee's. Like, there was no grand plan on like, Ooh, <laughs> yeah. And that was the funny and the beautiful thing about it. Our responsibility as creators is we showed up that day. We had a good time and we made something we were like, this feels honest to who you are Walker. And it feels fun. And so we left going like, whatever happens, you know, I, I never saw this happening. None of us, none of us left going, this is going to be massive. It's like, this is cool. Um, and so it's just funny on the other side, because people are like, it was in a commercial and it was in, it's doing all this stuff. And I was like, the funny thing about that is if we would have tried to do that, we would have written a completely different song and it would have been really bad. You know, we're not that smart. Like, we just wrote something that was fun, but we had no idea that it would kind of cross into cultural, all these cultural moments. My girl is banging. She's so low maintenance. Don't need no champagne. Popping entertainment. Take her to Wendy's. Can't keep her off me. She want to dip me like them fries in her frosty. But every now and then when I get paid, I got to spoil my baby with an upgrade. I feel like it is who Walker is. <laughs> you know, he was telling right. me, he's like, I go to I go to Applebee's with Laney. Like, that is who he is. It's like, so there's no sort of contrived element to the, yeah, I mean, the impact of that song. 
Were you surprised when Amy Adams performed it on uh, late night TV? I was. I've been surprised at every time anything <laughs> happens. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, this year has been unbelievable in the song. You know, because the company I'm at, man, there's like they, there's just such an energy and the excitement around all of the songs. And, and the, like I said, the guys that are my that run the company are like the best ever. And it, there's just been this just wild kind of like no one saw it coming. You know, Walker's an underdog. He's mm-hmm. not your typical like country guy. He's just, but he's honest and he's real. And and then just the way the song has kind of taken off in all of these different areas has been, you can't quite process any of it, right? Like, I think we're we're nearing a double platinum, which is unbelievable. And so it just none of it really seems to be setting in yet, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, uh, as of late September, we had uh, 20 and a half million on-demand U.S. streams. That's just in the United States. It's just, it's it's crazy. And you couldn't have predicted it. And that's... You know, when something happens organically like that, that's the best thing possible, you know, and, and it probably is. a It's probably a once in a career type song for you as a songwriter. You're going to have other number one songs of that. I have no doubt. Songs like this, though, are are just, you know, that, that's lightning in a bottle. Yeah. And, you know, and I and we've talked about that. I've been like, um, I don't think you even set out to try to do it again. You know, I think that the, the, the beauty of creating, if you sign up to do this, you, you buckle up and you try to capture magic and you love the, the process. And then when stuff like this happens, you embrace it, you marvel at it, you celebrate it, but also accepting that like the uniqueness of this is not something we sit down and go, we're going to do it again. Just because mm-hmm. you're like, I think when you try to do any of this, it just loses a little bit of the special like mystery of it all. Right. Like, things get made out of nothing and they go on to be, you know, whatever. So I, I, I know for me personally, I only could speak for me personally. I've, I've not been like, I want to, I, I love songs. And so I don't think, you know, I can easily say like, I don't know if I'll ever be a part of a song that has had this wide reaching impact or kind of cultural moment, you know? Right. Um, so, which is, which is, a, it's, a, it's like fun and freeing to not go, I have to do that again. I'm like, uh, I don't really know what we did. We just did what we normally do, and this <laughs> happened. So yeah. I'm going to kind of surrender to the the music gods and just surrender to this thing that is the mystery and just kind of dip back in and go write more songs that I love and get excited about and believe that they'll find their way just as this one has, you know? And before we step away from Walker completely, and I'd love to have him uh, on sometime. We just recently had a golf tournament here in Sacramento, and he was here and had a chance to talk, to talk to him for a few minutes. He's a guy that has been around Nashville for a long time, keeps at it. He has so much respect of other songwriters. Um, and there's another song that you, I get, I'm assuming, wrote with him that I wanted to ask you about, and it's called Dad's Sailboat. And it's a beautiful, yeah. beautiful song. Tell me about that. Man, you know, and this is why I feel like on the surface people will hear Walker and they'll be like, oh, it's kind of rap, you know, and they, they just write him off. And I'm like, no, 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 give him a chance. Because when you hear the breadth of his heart and his music, you really capture that he, he says things like no one else can say. I mean, yeah, we, you know, we've, we sat down one day and he started talking about this reality of seeing your dad get old. And that song signifies that this reality of like your dad reaching a milestone, you know, getting older. And then you realize you're getting older and there's this sadness of having to like sell your dad's sailboat, like the poor sale sign on my dad's sailboat. And so I remember that day he brought, he started talking about that. And we both were kind of in tears, like, 
oh my gosh, like, and that's just a testament to Walker. Like, he can say things so poignantly right on the nose that you're just like, oh my gosh. There's a for sale sign on my dad's sailboat. Don't even ask mom why, cause I already know. Yeah, I know you get old, but I don't know, I guess. Had no idea it was gonna hurt like this. We used to see who could hug the tightest, and I couldn't take him. Now I barely even squeeze, cause I feel like I'ma break. Bet he wonders why it takes me so long to let go. There's a for sale sign on my dad's sailboat. Part of me wants to tear it down and let it drown in the river. Forget the inevitable and pretend that heroes live forever. Part of me wants to buy it and keep it like I wish I could him. But I know that ain't gonna make that young again. Tears don't care if I don't want them to come. I'm trying to take it like a man, but I'm taking it like a son. Taking it like a son. I mean, honestly, some of my favorite songs, I love Fancy Like, but it's not my favorite song I've ever written with Walker. Like, there's a song called Comedian. Climb of every class, he sat in the back of. Life of every party he ever crashed up. Always joke, always performing. Make you laugh so hard, your stomach hurt the next morning. Josh was that guy, witty as hell. Just knew one day that dude was gonna be on SNL. Next Chris Farley, would have bet you money. He was so funny that it wasn't even funny. It's too bad being funny and being happy ain't the same thing. It ain't the same thing. It's so sad. Some of the loneliest hearts in the crowd are the most entertaining. Such a strange thing. Here's to the ones who make us laugh to keep themselves from crying. Here's to the ones who make us laugh. To keep themselves from crying. You know, I, we've written songs that just that I will forever cherish um, because they're like what I said. They're songs you want to. They're songs that are human. They just breathe life. And 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 even other songs he's written that I've not been a part of. I'm just like I admire, I admire the transparency um, in that all. Um. Let's talk about Green River Ordinance for, for a minute. You guys got together uh, at 15 years old, just kids that played music and wanted to play it together. Um, did, is it true you guys you asked your parents permission to drop out of college so you could per- pursue music? Yeah, our parents were paying for school, and we were like, hey, we love music. My parents uh, grew up, my dad was a songwriter, so they were a little more willing to say yes. Some of the other parents had a little bit more resistance or reservation. And so, yeah, we asked them and they were like, we'll give you like two years. And if you don't have a record deal or something happening where you can provide for yourself, we will, uh, we will, you need to get, go back to school. So in that two years, we like just busted it. We bought a van and trailer. It just played anywhere and everywhere they would have us. And then we, through that, signed a capital and, um, you know, the kind of rest is history. Made a record and released it, and went and played, and got on radio, and, and you know, we're able to kind of weave our way um, from there. And I love the fact that you know you were open enough and versatile enough to write a song like Fancy Like, but at the same time, the stuff that you've written with your band and performed with your band, it's just like really great, like 
country Americana, a little Southern rock, a little pop mixed in there. It's just, it's a whole kind of amalgam of, of different kind of styles, but it, it, what shines through again is here comes that word again, authenticity. Uh, and I, I think a great example, two great examples. One is just a smoking country song, Red Fire Night. Yeah, we, you know, we were here, we were writing a, our EP Chasing Down the Wind, um, and we were here in, in, we were like East Tennessee. Our bass player's in-laws have a cabin on a river, and we were just, we wrote a couple of songs, Cannery River, like a bunch of these tunes from that EP, and Red Fire, yeah, Red Fire Night came out, and it's just, just like, we want to up-tempo, we love like, harmonies and and that kind of rootsy barn burner element and so that one just kind of flew flew out and has always been one that just like never it never fails to be a, a great live song you know you're like if every song could have this level of energy and engagement we'd be all right <laughs> so meet me under that red fire night down by the willows and the tennessee pines i'll bring the whiskey you bring the wine i'll make a few memories on a red fire night Dancing Shoes. That's just a great mm. song. It's a great country song, but it's also it's just a great song. Thank you for saying that. Another one, dude. This is that's a, that, this is a crazy story. Another mystery of the of the music business is we were signed to Capitol. We had made we'd made our debut record, which was more pop rock, called Out of My Hands, and we had we had toured that record for like three years, two and a half, three years, playing tours and doing radio and living out of a van, like pretty much just trying to get things going. And at the end of that record cycle, the label was, was they wanted us to make a record really quickly and get it out. They were like, we need a record before the end of the year. And we were just burnt. And a couple of us had been married and we were like kind of in a rock and a hard place. They wanted me to fly all over and do all these co-writes. And we just were like, why would we do that? We we built, we spent the last three years building something, and now we're going to rush a record out. Like it just didn't make sense. And stylistically, we were changing, and they didn't really like that. That we were getting more southern, and we were embracing that. And they didn't really like that. And so, long story short, we we walked away from Capitol and went independent on our choice. And in that, we were like, we're going to embrace more our where we're at, you know, in these three years, which is more southern. And they were like, our manager's like, Josh, you have that song, Dancing Shoes. I wrote that song, and I would always play it around, like, with him and a couple of buddies around a campfire in Texas. So what if we recorded that? They're like, all right, cool. So we recorded that and a couple of songs. 
And then it made its way on to some stations and was has been probably our biggest song to date without a label. You know what I mean? So it's just like the serendipitous moment of the we put it out on a shoestring budget and it it's like has been our biggest song ever. So it's just the it's just kind of proving the fact that no one knows what they're doing. You just pour your heart into something and put it out. Put on your old black dress and grab your dancing shoes. Head out to the old bot rose and we'll dance away our blues. Spin all week waiting now, my mind's on you. Hold my loving arms, my loving arms are for you. Yeah, yeah. So tired of the nine to five, weighing down on my soul. Let's get out all of this uptown life and head out on the country road. Get about all the things that we can make right. Put on a little in blue, dancing to the night, singing home. Loving arms for you. Yes, it holds my loving arms. Loving arms for you. Come on. Maybe there are issues with song rights and stuff, but can you offer up some of these songs from from your past to uh, current country artists? Is that something that that you're able to do as a songwriter? Hey, I got this song from 12 years ago. Our band did it, but it might be right for you. Yeah. So as far as like all of these songs that Grow has cut you know, within the town and pitching them, you know, they're all free game. Um, we've pitched some of them and you're always hopeful that, that someone would, um, you know, pull one of those from the, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it the graveyard, but pull it from the, the history and put them out. So um, I don't know. It hasn't happened yet, but I'm, I'm always hopeful that one of them might find some new life. Does that help you at all creatively to, to know that you've got, you know, some great songs already written produced in your back pocket does that give you any kind of a i don't know cushion when, when you go into a room and, and you're having a stuck day well you know i think i do think you know songwriters are insecure we're all insecure people but like you know i think you can easily get down on yourself you have a bad day being like do i know how to write a song still or do i you know so i think you can look at your you know the songs throughout your year or years and go man these were magic moments. What can I learn from them? How can I continually go? I want to be available in the room. I don't want to be too hard on myself. I don't want to, you know, if you have a bad day, it's like part of it. I've, I've often heard of songwriting is like fishing. You throw the line in, doesn't mean you're going to catch anything, but you kind of have to release any sort of thing going like, I'm not good. I didn't have a good day. Or I wrote a song. that's not like, we're all capable of writing really bad songs and we write some. So um, looking at your track record allows you to kind of remind yourself of like, well, how did we get there? Well, like, okay, we can, we can position ourselves to, to find that again, you know? Do you ever, and I think I asked, uh, I think I asked your boss, Shane McAnally, this when he was on a, a, a couple of years ago, do you ever, uh, poach from past songs? Like there was a great line in, in a song you recorded 15 years ago. Let's see if we can do something around that. Does that ever enter into the conversation i think you might you could influence i've never done like pull the line but you can pull like 
the sentiment or the heartbeat of something, like, or even like a vibe. Like, what what about that had was special? What if we what if we were influenced by that? Maybe we don't copy it, but what if we like we spent some time bringing that to the current to twenty twenty one and going like, what would that look like? You okay. know, yeah. so a lot of times that that's that's happening. You know. Let's talk about um, now. This podcast is airing um, in in uh, February, uh, but we're recording it just before Halloween. And one of the biggest songs on country radio right now, besides Fancy Like, is "By Dirt" with Jordan Davis and and Luke Bryan. Talk about how that song came about. Was that just a, a typical uh, right day, or was there some flash of inspiration with that too? Yeah, another another relationship that's that's been years uh we've known you know i'm on that song with my brother who obviously we grew up in texas our dad was a songwriter i went to join a band and hit the road and became a in a pop rock band he came to nashville to try to be trace atkins and so over the years <laughs> is, it, we, trace, we both, is he a big dude is it like does, oh why man, trace he used atkins? To have this, big he, dude i don't know when he was 18 he had this deep voice and he loved singing like every light in the house is on and he grew up on traditional country, and so he came to be, you know, to, to do country. So he actually signed a Universal South, a country label in town, and I was signed to Capitol New York doing a pop rock record. And, you know, he was a big proponent in me coming to Nashville, like, dude, you got to come here. It's it's awesome. The music community is amazing. So over the years, our paths have converged. But in that time, you know, we never collaborated growing up. But I moved to Nashville. We start writing. We meet Jordan. Jordan's just like green as the grass I came to nashville from louisiana his brother jacob's here so there's two brothers two sets of bros on the song we know jacob and jordan from like when they moved to town so we're buddies with them writing for jacob's artist thing and then jordan's an artist but he's like new to town so we we kind of all just kind of known each other over the years and developed this relationship you know as jordan's thing has developed we just write a bunch of songs and with these songs in particular it was the middle of the pandemic and we had gone out to a cabin like West Tennessee and Jordan's like, let's, we need, we need to write. So we spent three or four days in a cabin and just hanging out just talking life and talking, you know, the thing about relationships as, as we all know, is like when you're with people you love, man, it's just like you're having fun, but you're getting real and you're, you know, making good food, drinking whiskey, waking up early, um, talking about Jesus and drinking coffee and all of these things are kind of, this is, the environment we're in and it doesn't feel like work, you know? And so by dirt was a song that just kind of came out of that time. And um, my brother had had the idea, uh, the hook by dirt. And we literally, I was, we were outside and it was early in the morning. It was beautiful. And I grabbed the guitar and started playing the riff and, it, and Jordan started kind of scatting some of the verse language and it just fell out within a couple of hours. And, you know, it was special because it felt like once again, I think, you have songs you write where you don't feel like you're trying to write a song. You're not trying to do anything other than serve the idea. You're not trying to write a, you're not going, how do we make this a massive song? You're like, how do we preserve this, what this song says and means to us? Um, while like it being authentic for Jordan and all of that. A few days before he turned 80, he was sitting out back in a rocker. He said, what you been up to lately? Told him chasing a dollar And in between sips of coffee He poured this wisdom out Said if you want my two cents On making a dollar count Buy dirt If 
Find the one you can't live without. Get a ring, let your knee hit the ground. Do what you love, but call it work. Throw a little money in the plate it serves. Send your prayers up and your roots down deep. Add a few limbs to your family tree. And watch their pencil marks in the grass and the yard all grow up. Cause the truth about it is, it all goes by real quick. You can't buy happiness, but you can buy dirt. Tell you what it's all about. Find you a few things that matter that you can put a fence around. And then he laid it out. That's kind of how it came about. And the Luke thing wasn't even on our mind. That kind of transpired after the fact, you know, where Luke got brought in on it and all that. So, but that's a nice assist, isn't it? Oh, yeah. When he told us that, I was like, amazing. Um, you know, so it, it's truly been a journey. And it's a song that means so much to all of us that, um, you know, I'm just honored to be a part of something that, that I actually, you know, I believe it. This is how, this is what matters to me. So do you like right now, you've got uh, two bonafide hits in your back pocket and you've got some uh, album cuts, Dustin Lynch and, and, and another one, uh, Jordan Davis, Trouble Town. Um, do you, uh, have other songs that, like in in your heart of hearts, you're like, oh man, I know that one is if, if that one's just given a chance by somebody. How many songs do you have that you think could be hits if they're just given the shot? Or do you think oh, about gosh. that? I don't know. I honestly don't know. I, I have a couple right now that I think are going to come out next year that I feel really good about. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't dare to go like I feel like I just am not a good judge on what's a hit and what's not. I, I do know I, I have songs that make me feel and get me excited that I go like, I just, I love what we are able to capture. And so like as a writer, I go, that's the best, that's the bar for me. Some people in this town can like predict that stuff. I'm just, I'm just not great at it. I'm like, you know, I don't know. And I think some of that I'm, I'm, I'm going to just, I kind of surrender to whatever else happens. But I, I, to answer your question, yeah, there's a couple coming up that I'm like, man, I really feel this song is special. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's what I, that's what keeps me doing this is just falling in love with music and loving the loving songs and going like, I want to feel, I want to feel it. I want to believe it. I want it to make me feel whatever that emotion is trying to communicate. Um, and I have a couple of those, which excites me. Josh Jenkins, it's been a pleasure talking to you, getting, getting to know you a little bit and getting to know your, your creative process and congratulations on the success you've had so far and uh and a pre-congratulations to the success i know you're going to have in the future well thank you so much thank you so much for having me on so dirt, find the one you can't live without get a ring let your knee hit the ground and that'll do it for this month's edition of Write You a Song. We're going to take a little bit of a hiatus and uh, be back in a few months with all new songwriters and stories to tell. Thank you very much for listening. If you like this podcast and you're new to it, go back through the archives. We've got, I think, 35 other shows for you to listen to with top songwriters from Brett Warren and Brett James to Liz Rose, Jesse Alexander, Shane McAnally, Josh Osborne, Ross Copperman, Ashley Gorley. It goes on and on and on. It's a real privilege to get to talk to these people. And it's a real privilege to get to do this podcast for you. hope you find it enjoyable. And I hope you'll be back with me again in a couple of months when we get this thing fired up again. Thanks for listening.